Here's the amount that John Turner likes birds and nature more generally. While bushwhacking off trails across Long Island, he's repeatedly gotten Lyme disease. I like to bushwhack a lot. That means cutting through essentially forest. I don't mm. stay on trails, and I've I paid a price because I had Lyme's disease four times because oh of it. But God. yeah, but I four just, times I mean, you got it. Yeah, yeah, I've had the freaking thing. It's yeah, it's really good. And I was quite frankly, when I was younger, I was a little, a little bit cavalier about it. And I should not have been. But anyway, sure. Sure. Uh, <laughs> four times, John Turner. My name is John Turner. T-U-R-N-E-R, and I uh, serve as a uh, conservation uh, policy advocate for the Seatuck uh, Environmental Association. And I'm also a lifelong Long Islander and naturalist. I called Turner because he's an example of a phenomenon that seems to be happening on Long Island. Coronavirus means more and more people are turning to quiet, solitary pursuits. People are going for walks, enjoying Long Island's natural spaces wherever they aren't closed. And some of those people, says Turner... Are bird watching. Yeah, but you know, I've been getting a number of texts from people. In fact, I just got one uh, from uh, uh, just somebody two days ago and asked where, you know, I, I'm caught at my house in Oyster Bay and just uh, and, and where you got any recommendations on where to go. In that case, he told them to head to Shoe Swamp. As the name suggests is it's wet and there's two, two streams that flow north emptying into Oyster Bay. It's a great place for birding, he says. You can see, uh, you know, see different species of waterfowl. Once in a while, been lucky enough to see owls. There's um, nesting wow. screech owls that are there. And then again, if you catch it when the songbirds are passing through on migration, it can be really good. I'm Mark Trezano, and this is episode 11 of Life Under Coronavirus, our oral history of how Long Islanders are living through the pandemic. One way people are coping is through activities like birding. For Turner, birding isn't new. I became interested in birding at the ripe old age of six when my dad had a backyard bird feeding station long before they became popular. He said it's one of his earliest memories. Winter day in Smithtown, looking out a back window at the bird feeder, and suddenly a flock of 35 to 40 black, white, and mustard yellow birds landing on the feeder and the ground all around it. And I was just so mesmerized by their beauty and it was snowing. Uh, fairly heavy snowflakes. And anyway, they turned out to be well, a bird known as the uh, evening grosbeaks. If you look up, they're beautiful birds that are birds of more northerly areas. But that kind of just sealed it when, that, when these birds came down. They look so exotic to me, I remember. He's been bird watching his entire adult life and even has a company that does bird watching tours and nature walks. He's not doing the group tours now because of coronavirus, but he says he's seeing more people out on their own. What you're seeing is family units, you know, husband, wife, and kids, as well as uh, just individuals that are, are going out. And in fact, a few places like West Meadow Beach, I don't know if you're familiar with that in Brookhaven. He said West Meadow Beach was particularly popular. It's not like those visitors were all birders, but some were. To some local bird experts, it's not surprising that birding might be particularly good right now. I spoke to Jennifer Wilson Pines, a past president and current conservation chair for the North Shore Audubon Society. And she said that the coronavirus pause might mean fewer people spraying their yards, so less pesticides for the birds. Reductions in smog could mean better health for the birds, too. Turner goes even further about air quality changes. When I've gone up to the North Shore here and looked across the to Long Island Sound to Connecticut, I can see features and details of the Connecticut shoreline just a little bit crisper, a little bit clearer. Than, than I could before. Now, is that in my head? I don't know if it's in my head or if it's something I'm actually seeing. He thinks clearer air actually could let you see a bird a little more clearly. 
in terms of being able to see, pick out a bird, like I've been able to watch some a few times seeing this, there's this wonderful bird uh, called a northern gannet, G-A-N-N-E-T, that I've seen out in the uh, Long Island Sound. And I can, I can definitely see the, the birds more clearly. There's just not, there's just not the haze. It's, it's pretty neat. This is also a good time of year to see birds because they're starting their migrations. Take the scarlet tanager. Gorgeous bird, if you look it up. More brilliant, brilliant than a cardinal, actually, with black wings. And this is oh. a bird that's coming up from uh, Amazonia. It actually is a, what we call a neotropical migrant. It's coming up from South America, heading up to Central America, up to Mexico. Then they break up the Yucatan, fly across the Gulf of Mexico, what we call trans-Gulf migration, a phenomenal uh, I mean, a phenomenon that's hard to even wrap your mind around and think about them doing that. And then they then spread out over East and North America and head north. And we actually have tanagers that are common breeding bird here on Long Island. So It's kind of crazy to think. I mean, now they're, they're traveling a lot farther than we are these days, right? No one's flying on planes right now. Isn't that sort of a weird thing? Yeah. <laughs> it is weird. I wonder what the, what the birds are thinking. You say, you know, so many you think about birds of prey and, and you know more long-lived birds like right. geese and cranes and things that uh, and storks that uh, as they fly, so you become used and acclimated to um, sharing the skies or sharing the skies less so. It's kind of an interesting thing. I have to ask a crane, you know. Ask. <laughs> right. Right. Somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By the way, these aren't real Long Island bird sounds, but you get the idea. I asked Turner what he takes with him on his birding expeditions. Some important items. Definitely bring a pair of binoculars, dress comfortably, and uh, often a backpack with a snack and a, and a drink. And, and I usually throw a bird guide in. I, I don't often get stumped with uh, birds, but once in a while, um, there'll be something that'll scratch my head out or I hear a okay. song. And, you know, so, so I do bring a, uh, a typically a, a field guide. We call the Sibley field guide. It, 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 sure, yeah. If you know that, so I'll bring that just for a backup. Fortunately, and do again, you, um, are you like taking notes about what you see or anything like that? I do or take notes. Kind yeah. Of yeah, well, it's a combination. Sometimes I'll take notes. Sometimes it's it's mental. It just depends on my interest. I just love being outdoors and love uh, the, the nature and birds and and to me, it's less important to list everything I see, but just to to be immersed in the experience. He gave some tips so that you can be immersed and successful too. First of all, you really can look for birds in all sorts of places. He even does it from his own house sometimes. And you have to listen. Any birder worth their salt, or any birdie with birder with a, a, a some uh, a d- degree of expertise, um, birds by ear before they do by eye. Just rely on birds, you know, visually with your binoculars, but actually learn learn the top 20 songs. Learn what, a, you know, again, a chickadee sounds like, what a titmouse sounds like. Titmouse has got a song that sounds like he's um, just incessantly l- looking for Peter because he says Peter, 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 Peter. <laughs> and oh, so, you know, cardinal songs, robin songs. Turner says he's been listening for those robin sounds too, and they're giving him comfort. But the comfort I have is, I, I mean, I've been here listening to right now, the robins are back, and I, I call the, the, the twilight song of a robin, I don't know if you, where you live, but if you hear them, you hear them almost every night towards twilight, mm-hmm. the males will be singing. And to me, it's just so comforting and reassuring to hear that right now, in this particular time, it's more, even more so, that to hear the, the males 
singing. It's kind of a weird way because things are not all right with the world, but in a way that 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 I'm interpreting that song of this of the Robin that that things will be okay with the world again, that we will get past this, and and maybe maybe we'll be in a a more enlightened place environmentally. He thinks that would be an important silver lining. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can begin. We desperately need to begin to develop a. A much more harmonious, uh, positive relationship with the, the wildlife on the planet and planet Earth. And maybe, again, in a very small way, uh, Long Island is going out and experiencing these natural areas and the beauty that they, um, they, they possess and provide can be a, a small step in that direction of truly appreciating the natural world and trying to live more harmoniously um, with it. If you know of someone we should be covering, or you want to share your own experience about coronavirus in New York, leave us a voicemail with your name and phone number at 631-213-1543. That's 631-213-1543 with your message to the Opinion Department's Life Under Coronavirus podcast. We may use your message as the basis for a future episode. Amanda Ficina is our producer, and once again, I'm Mark Chisano from Newsday Opinion. Stay healthy. See you next time.